Thank you, John, and all the music volunteers for leading us into worship this morning. As we prepare for Christmas uh, this year, uh, we are looking at some Old Testament prophecies, some Old Testament prophetic hopes that are fulfilled uh, through the birth of Jesus. Last week, uh, Pastor Taylor uh, led us to the book of Numbers and uh, helped us to see how the birth of Christ was announced through promises, uh, promises like, like a scepter uh, arising out of Judah. Today we looked at another, we look at another prophecy of the Old Testament, but the image changes. Instead of a scepter rising, the image today is of a shoot growing. We used to have a pomegranate tree in our backyard. And uh, besides the, the bushy and thorny branches uh, that that tree had, every year this tree would grow out dozens of shoots at its base. Um, it's so many that I got frustrated. Uh, every time I would cut them, uh, not much time would pass before I would see them growing up again and becoming bushy. Uh, those shoots never grew to bear any fruit. Actually, the whole tree rarely grew any fruits. About one to two ripe fruit every other year. I got so frustrated. And I told Anka, and, and we had a family little debate. Should we keep this tree or not? Should we keep this tree or not? And eventually, after much trial and a lot of patience, um, it was time to cut the tree down. So I did. I don't know much about trees, and I don't know how to care as very well for them. I don't know if part of the reason why I didn't bear much fruit it was because I didn't know how to, to tend for this tree well. Knowledgeable tree people know what shoots are worth keeping and what are worth cutting. I suspect that most of us here in our gathering this morning have very little knowledge and clue what shoots to keep in a tree and what shoots to cut down. But do you know and do you realize that God uses the picture of a shoot of a tree growing, and we cannot afford not to know how to relate to this shoot. If we ignore or misunderstand this one shoot that God speaks about in His Word, our eternity hangs on it. An entire new reality is dependent on this new shoot coming forth and growing and how we relate to it and what do we do with it matters. The shoot and the shoots of my pomegranate tree, no one cares about. They're gone. But this shoot that we're about to read today, oh friends, you and I cannot ignore, cannot afford to ignore it. So I invite you to open God's Word to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to grab one of the pew Bibles 
in front of you, you may find these, um, the, this passage on page number 575. Let's uh, listen to God's Word. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. This is the word of the Lord for our hearts. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with a rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with a young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the whole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nation, nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for our hearts. Would you join me in prayer, asking God to bless the preaching of his word and the hearing of his word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so privileged to hear of your promises, to hear the prophetic word that you have spoken before any of it came to be fulfilled. Father, as we have read this passage, this, this text. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. We pray for the proclamation of this word to be anointed by your spirit. And we pray that the hearing of this word will be anointed by your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for his glory and honor and for our edification. Amen. Amen. The book of Isaiah is one of the most uh, beautiful books, I would say, of the Old Testament. Um, some Bible theologians have considered it as the, the gospel of the Old Testament. It is a fascinating book. If you're interested to get more into it, we have preached through it, through it here about three, four years ago. It took about 60 plus sermons uh, to work through it. Uh, so if you want a, a slow, uh, slow work study through the book, uh, we are about to put up our sermon uh, audio files uh, from our archives from three, four years ago up on the, on the new website uh, soon, and we hope that the, those sermons will be available if you would like to get into that again. Chapter 11 is one of the high moments of the first half of the book of Isaiah. 
Uh, during Isaiah's time, the northern tribes of Israel, the ten tribes of Israel, have split off uh, from the southern tribes of Judah. Uh, the people of the northern kingdom, the northern tribes, hated their brothers and sisters in the southern tribes. And when the northern kingdom began experiencing difficulties, they described their difficulties through the image of trees being cut down. Uh, we read of that in chapter 9, uh, verse 10. And they thought that they could get out of their mess by simply planting new and better trees. Instead of the sycamore trees, they said, oh, we'll plant cedars. Now, they're not talking about Texas cedars that everybody tries to avoid. In the Middle East, the cedars were the, the tall, much better trees than the sycamore trees. Uh, they, they looked at their difficulties as opportunities for more self-reliance. But they failed to consider that the mess that they were experiencing was actually God's means of trying to get their attention. When their trees were cut down, they thought they could just plant new ones and better ones. Now, they also did other evil as well. They acted unjustly against the poor and took advantage of the oppressed among God's people. So God decreed to judge them for their sins by bringing Assyria, a world superpower at that time, to destroy them, to completely wipe out the northern kingdom, the northern tribes of Israel, to actually take them into exile. And then even Judah, the southern kingdom, to be overcome by the Assyrians and almost brought to the point of, of extinction. Uh, but God promised that despite this coming judgment upon his people, that God would bring back a remnant, that God would restore the people back. And, the, and God promised that even Assyria would be judged by the Lord after Assyria will do God's judgment upon his people. And the picture that God gives of judging Assyria is that God would cut down its trees. We see that in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 33. Uh, in this book, um, the judgment of God is pictured in many pictures, but one of those pictures is trees being cut down. If you remember Isaiah 6, uh, the passage that our brother Sebastian preached from a few weeks ago, uh, that passage where, where God commissions Isaiah, gives him a vision of the glory of God, and then commissions him with a message of judgment for the people of God. And Isaiah asks, Lord, how long? How long are, am I to give this message of judgment? And the Lord says, until everything is brought down until everything is burnt up. And the picture of that message of judgment closes with picture, a picture of stumps, trees that have been burned down to the stump. The, the message of God's judgment in the book of Isaiah is described through many pictures, but one of them is the image of trees being brought down. And this image is important for us to keep in mind as we begin looking at this passage. 
the message this morning that this text is, is giving to us could be summarized in one sentence, and the sentence would be this, God will bring a mind-blowing restoration through a shoot growing from Jesse's stump. God will bring a mind-blowing restoration through a shoot growing from Jesse's stump. If, if you're looking at this passage, there's a number of ways we, we could divide it up, but, but a simple way to, to look at it is to realize that the first five verses deal with God's means of restoration, and then the verses 6 through 9 and then 10 deals with God's mind-blowing reality of restoration. So God's means of restoration and God's mind-blowing reality of restoration. Let's look at these two major points as we see God's message of hope, of help, of restoration. What is God's means of restoration? This is point number one. God's means of restoration. How does God plan to restore His people? The answer is a shoot growing, coming forth from the stump of Jesse. Now, the people of Israel, and specifically the northern kingdom, who hated southern kingdom, needed to hear that God's restoration of His people would be through a shoot growing out of the tree, of a tree of the southern kingdom of Judah. It would be, tree, it would be the tree of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, the Bethlehem of Judah, our sermon series through 1 Samuel uh, have shown us that God chose a king from the house of Jesse, the Bethlehemite of Judah. That God would choose to build up kingship through a, a descendant of David. I'm sorry, through a descendant of, of Jesse, who in 1 Samuel is David. But here we see that this descendant continues to be brought up Notice what is the status of the tree of Jesse in this prophecy. It's a stump. Why is that significant? The tree of Jesse would have the same experience as all the other trees in Israel, which means... Jesse's tree line was going to fall under God's judgment as well. Jesse's tree would be cut down as well. The Davidic line will experience God's judgment as well, as the rest of the Old Testament showed. King Uzziah, one of the descendants of King David, he had a great beginning as a king. He accomplished a lot in his lifetime. But in his old age, he became proud. And he turned away from the Lord. And Uzziah died as a leprous man. Banished from the presence of the Lord and banished from the presence of fellowship with God's people. His grandson, King Ahaz, chose not to trust in God's promise of deliverance. Even though God gave the promise that the virgin will be with child, as a guarantee that God will show up to rescue his people, Ahaz chose not to believe the word of God. That's in Isaiah 7. With some exceptions, many of the Davidic kings 
did not walk in the way of the Lord, so eventually God broke the house of David. And the image of Jesse's tree as a stump makes this exceedingly clear. But even after the judgment upon Jesse's tree becoming like a stump, God planned to bring forth a shoot from Jesse's stump. And throughout this sh- through the shoot, the, 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 God, the God who is able to bring life out of death through the shoot, God would bring restoration to his people. This is why the prophecy begins with these words, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now I ask you, was it tragic that Jesse's tree became a stump? Was it tragic that somehow Jesse's tree did not stay up despite all the other corruption and disobedience and rebellion among the people of God? Yeah, it was very tragic. But a cut tree was not an impossible situation for the Lord to redeem. It may seem to us like all hope is gone, but God is able to work His restoration even through the stump of a felled tree. Friends, don't ignore what God is able to do, even with a stump. When you and I see our dreams and hopes go, go down the drain, when we see the, the falling down of, of dreams and hopes that we have, of the powerful and those in whom we have put our hopes in, we may fall into hopelessness and helplessness. Surely this is how the house of David must have felt when the tree of Jesse fell. Surely this is how the people of Israel must have felt when they have seen the dynasty of David not live up to what the Lord had promised or called them to do. Sometimes, though, we prefer the path of the northern tribes of Israel who rebelled against their southern brothers and sisters who wanted to have nothing to do with Judah. And instead of putting hope in what the Lord promised, they thought they could just plant new trees, better trees, and they could just repopulate themselves and the land and rebuild their economy. Like them, I think we too are often tempted to choose our own plans of restoration. We'll make it through this. We'll come stronger through this. We'll be better off through this. These are some of the lines that we hear when we go through difficulties. But God says, trust me, my restoration comes through a shoot coming out of a stump of the very people that are often despised and neglected. There will be a shoot coming forth And restoration will come through that shoot. Actually, no lasting fruitfulness outside of that shoot is possible. Now, who is the shoot coming out of the stump of Jesse? There's an important clue in verse verse 10 of the passage. In verse 10, we find out that the shoot from the stump of Jesse is more than just a shoot from the stump. It's also the root of the stump. Did you notice how in verse 10... When it describes more about this being, about this person that's promised, the image changes from a shoot of the stump 
to the root. And the question is, how can you be both the shoot and the root of the stump? Who can be that? And the answer is Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus Christ concludes his self-description by saying these words, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. How can Jesus be both the, the root of David and the descendant of David? The one who comes before David or the one who comes before Jesse and the one who comes after Jesse through his incarnation Jesus was a descendant of Jesse. Through his incarnation as a baby, taking on human flesh, being a descendant of the house of David, Jesus was the shoot coming out of the stump of Jesse. But Jesus, the one who was born in Bethlehem, in the Bethlehem of Judah, is also the eternal Son of God who existed before Jesse. And because he is the eternal son of God, he is the one who has sustained Jesse's stump even when that tree fell down under God's judgment. Had it not been for Christ, the stump of Jesse would have not survived. And the rest of this text tells us seven descriptions about the shoot from the stump of Jesse who is also the root of Jesse. So let's look at at the descriptions that this passage gives us about the shoot and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the root of Jesse. Seven descriptions. The first six will be in point number two, one in this passage. And the seventh description will be at the very end after point two. Let's look at these. The shoot will be fruitful. This is the first description about the shoot coming from the stump of Jesse. It will be fruitful. Did you notice how verse 1 closes? There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Unlike my shoots on the pomegranate tree in my backyard, who never became fruitful, this shoot will bear fruit. The Lord not only brings new life out of the stump, but he brings new fruitfulness. In other words, it will not be a fruitless shoot. This branch will bear fruit. What an assurance. The growth of the shoot, in other words, will not be in vain. Oh, friends, stay confident that the work of the Lord will prosper through this branch coming out of a stump. We don't have to speculate and wonder whether or not this branch will be worth it, whether or not this branch will be worth keeping, whether or not this branch will be worth following, the fruitfulness of this branch will actually be mind-blowing as the second half of this text will show us. The rest of the characteristics of the shoot will tell us how can a shoot coming out of a branch be so fruitful that it will blow our minds away. Notice the second characteristic of the shoot. The second characteristic of the shoot it will be endowed with the Spirit of God. It will be endowed with the Spirit of God. Look at verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. 
Now, hopefully by now, we realize that this shoot is not really talking about a physical plant. It's an image referring to a person, a person who is endowed with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what it takes to bring fruitfulness out of a stump. Friends, when the Spirit of God enters into a spiritually dead human being, it brings life to that person. That person turns from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. That is a doctrine of regeneration. And the fruit, the first fruits of that regeneration is repentance and faith. The Spirit of God is what is needed to bring vitality where destruction and devastation have taken place. Even in the case of the Davidic royal dynasty. Here the Spirit of God is described through six descriptions. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Uh, providing intellectual readiness for making right judgments. Spirit of counsel and might, providing readiness to act, being able to devise a plan, how to act, and then having the power to enact it. It is also a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, providing the content, what the shoot will seek to promote through his rule, as we will see later in this passage. Friends, the Spirit of God is what makes this shoot be fruitful and be ready to act both in judgment and in restoration. It's a Spirit of God dwelling on the shoot. Thirdly, a third characteristic about the shoot, it will delight in the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 3. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is brought up twice here, both in verse 2 and now in verse 3. It's a big contact, a concept in the Bible. For those who are in a right relationship with God, the fear of the Lord is a delight. Not a duty. Not a drudgery. The closer you are with the Lord, the, the closer you will delight in Him. The shoot growing from the stump of Jesse will delight in the fear of the Lord. Oh, friends, being united to Jesus means that we too will be fruitful like He is and will be delighting in the fear of the Lord like He is delighting in the fear of the Lord. I wonder if that is your experience today. Do you find the fear of the Lord to be an object of your delight? If it is not, I want to encourage you to consider that being in Christ being united with Christ through His Spirit brings us the same benefits that Christ experienced as the shoot. Fruitfulness. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. Delight in the fear of the Lord. Oh, friends, Christ is a fruitful branch because the Spirit of God rested on Him and He delighted in the fear of God. And these benefits are ours as well if we are united to Christ through His Spirit. But there's a fourth description about the shoot. The shoot, fourthly, will judge rightly. The shoot will judge rightly. Look at verse 3 and 4. 
He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Of all the descriptions of what this shoot will do, this one seems to take the longest time to describe. This one also seems to, to take a negative and a positive to get the point clear. The negative description tells us how this shoot will not judge. It will not judge by what he sees or by what he hears. What does that mean? This is a way of saying that this shoot will not rely on his experiences in order to decide what is right or wrong. Instead, he will decide judgments based on what is right in the sight of God, and will, he will do so equally for all. Now think for a moment how these verses challenge so much of the pattern that our society is, is aggressively going into. When we make decisions or make judgments, we are tempted to do it based on what we experience or feel instead of what is an objective standard of rightness. We often and increasingly and aggressively want to make justice a matter of what we experience. And this shoot is telling us, or this passage is telling us, this shoot will not judge based on his experience. He will judge based on an objective standard of what is right in the sight of God. The shoot growing from the stump of Jesse will not pervert justice to take advantage of the poor and the oppressed among God's people as the northern tribes of Israel have been guilty of. Instead, this shoot will judge people equally. There's no special favors towards the powerful, towards the rich, towards those who are positioned well in society. No, those who have no means will be judged on the same terms as everybody else. Friends, we're living in a time when our society is increasingly seeking to redefine justice and injustice to be measured by our human standards and preferences. Our society seeks to eliminate the, no the notion of an objective truth of the reality of God's revelation as a standard of justice as wrong or right. Friends, it's helpful to hear that the shoot of the stump of Jesse will not rely on personal experiences to execute justice. Therefore, nor should we. Fifth, a fifth description of the shoot of Jesse. He will not only judge rightly, he will execute his judgments. This shoot, number five, will execute on his judgments. Look at verse four. He, will sh he shall strike the earth with a rod of his mouth, and with a breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Well, friends, the judgments the shoot will make will not be left undone. Quite the contrary, we are assured that the execution of the judgments will depend on nothing except his breath, except what comes out of his mouth. The shoot from the stump of Jesse will be so powerful that he will strike the whole earth with that which comes from his mouth. 
No sword needed. No military equipment needed. All it takes for the shoot is to speak. And that is enough to strike the whole earth. Oh, friends, this is why we as believers, as Christians, we as a local church here, care deeply about the Word of God, about the Bible, about the Word of God revealed through, through the Bible. Because both individually and as a church, we will be judged by that which comes out of the Word of God, out of the mouth of God. Oh, friends, what He reveals to us in Scripture will be the standard by which God will judge the whole earth. And those on the earth who continue to stay in ignorance or in rebellion to His Word will not be left off the hook. The shoot from the stump of Jesse will kill the wicked with a mere breath of his lips. This is the justice of God. That sin will not be ignored, nor given a pass. This is true justice. And the shoot from the stump of Jesse will come to execute it equally. No favoritism. No looking at appearance. Everyone will have the same standard. Friends, the shoot growing from the stem of Jesse may feel like a mere branch or like a mere branch that we are tempted to ignore or underestimate like all the other shoots around the trees around us. But here's the reason why we cannot afford to ignore or underestimate this shoot because all eternity, ours included, is dependent on how we relate to this shoot. A sixth characteristic of the shoot. The shoot will act righteously and faithfully. Notice verse 5. Righteousness shall be the belt of his weight and faithfulness, the belt of his loins. Now the picture of clothing in the Bible often reflects how one lives out their lives. How one engages in the actions and the thoughts that one has. And two preeminent qualities of this shoot coming out of the stump of Jesse are righteousness and faithfulness. Everything he does, his judgments, the execution of his judgments are going to be done in righteousness and in faithfulness. We can trust all his actions. We can trust all his thoughts, including his judgments. Because through his judgments, God will bring the restoration that his people desperately needed. What is not described in this text, what is delayed until chapter 52 and 53 of this book of Isaiah, is that before the judgment of God falls on all the wicked of the earth to destroy them, God will judge His own Son in the place of sinners who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus would come and take the punishment that the wicked deserve so that through repenting and trusting in Christ, those who look to Christ will no longer experience the judgment of God against the wicked because that judgment has been poured on Jesus as a substitute. Oh, friends, this is the message of the gospel that we proclaim, that before the judgment of God will be fully and finally executed upon all the earth 
that judgment has been executed on Jesus, the eternal Son of God. That is why Jesus was incarnated, came to be born in the human race, so that Jesus would be the one who would take upon him the judgment of God, the judgment of the Davidic line that they, the Davidic line deserved, the judgment of all those who would join themselves to Christ in faith and repentance. Oh, friends, if you have not yet turned to Christ and trusted on Him, oh, friends, I invite you today, turn to Him. Put your faith in Him. Repent of your sins. Believe on Him. Jesus Christ will act in righteousness and in faithfulness in executing God's judgments. But before He does so, He has experienced it in Himself taking upon himself the judgment of God. And in doing so, Christ was both righteous and faithful. Oh, friends, before he will come to execute righteousness, judgment upon the wicked, I pray that you would consider Christ. Consider him as a means to avert the judgment of God against your sins. Before this text gives a seventh description of the shoot of Jesse, it takes a detour to give us a picture of the restored reality that this shoot will bring after the judgment of God has been fully executed. After the judgment of God against the wicked will be fully consummated, notice what is the restored reality that God will bring. So point number two, God's reality of restoration. In verses nine, uh, 6 through 9, we get several pictures, totally different, of a different reality. It's a mind-blowing reality. The combination of the elements in these pictures cause us to wonder, is this real? Is this possible to live in this kind of a world? Notice in verse 6, three sets of animals. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with a young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. In our current world, this is impossible. This is unheard of. We might say it's an unnatural world. And to push the image further, verse 6 ends on the note, and a little child shall lead them. Parents who have little children. Would you ever... Let your child be in the unguarded company of such animals. Who would ever do that? Even in your imagination, it's hard to go there. And yet, that, that's exactly what this picture is giving for us. And then the picture continues in verse 7 with another set of, of animals the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Here we find out that the very nature of the carnivore animals will be changed. They will no longer want to eat other animals. The very nature of these animals will be changed to eat differently. And then verse 8 shows that there will be no potential of any harm anymore. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, 
and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. In other words, the seed of the woman in the most vulnerable stage of life, a nursing baby and a weaned child playing with all kinds of snakes. Sounds like a reality in which the curse of sin is removed and no longer present. The point of all these pictures is drawn for us in verse 9. They will no longer harm or destroy each other on God's holy mountain. This is a mind-blowing reality of the restoration that God promises to bring through the shoot growing from the stump of Jesse. Oh, friends, it's a, a mind-blowing reality because wickedness will be by this point completely consummated, completely executed, completely taken out, completely judged and punished. Today, as the people of God, are, we are looking at passages like this. We want to claim that this is still a reality in the future. It's not yet for us to experience in the present. We are still looking ahead at the consummation of that mind-blowing restoration. We have not yet arrived there yet. At the same time, as God's redeemed people, local churches like ours and like many others in the city and around the world are actually called to be a microcosm that anticipates that mind-blowing reality. We are supposed to be like embassies representing the interests and the values of another kingdom, of another reality here in a foreign, hostile territory. That's why so many of the commands in the New Testament for churches and for, the, for how Christians should relate as, as members of churches is, is to put guardrails on how we relate to one another. We are called not to harm or destroy one another. How are we in the danger of harming and destroying one another? Now, let me, let me mention, mention some examples. Probably the most subtle ways we are in danger of harming and destroying one another is through words, through slander, through gossip, through making harsh or harmful comments to each other, through conflict, through broken relationships, through unresolved frustrations, through resentment, through unresolved anger. Oh, friends, have you ever wondered why so many of the New Testament commands call us out and, and challenge us to consider how we can destroy each other through the very words we speak or through the very heart attitudes that we have, even when we refrain from words, but we act putting a wall between us. Friends, when we pursue um, and give in to our heart attitudes of anger, resentment, bitterness, or malice, when we speak falsely about others, when we distort reality all, either for ourselves or for others, we actually contribute to, to endeavors of harming one another. 
Friends, when we pursue unity instead, when we pursue godly communication, when we pursue peacemaking, we anticipate this mind-blowing reality that will come in which God's people will no longer harm or destroy each other on God's holy mountain. Friends, the life of local churches are supposed to be a microcosm, an embassy that represents the values of that future mind-blowing reality that God promised to bring through the shoot growing out of the stump of Jesse. Don't ignore, don't ignore the relationships that you have with the people of God. When, when people think that they can just be Christians without belonging and being committed in a committed love relationship with other Christians, members in the body of Christ, when we think that somehow we can live our, our Christian lives alone as lone rangers, minding our own business, and one way to protect ourselves is just not to get close to other people. Well, friends, we're actually working against the very harm uh, the very picture that we see here of people harming and destroying one another. Have you ever considered that even isolation, intentional isolation, can be a way of harming others? I'm not talking about the isolation of COVID, that we just try to keep the six feet. I'm talking about perhaps a danger that even in times like this, like COVID, some of us may be actually using this time of mandatory isolation or distancing as a means of actually putting a wall, creating distance, not physically, but in our hearts, in our spirits, towards others. And it's possible that actually that intentional distancing could contribute to a harm that we may not realize right now, but it's harmful when we keep others at arm's length. I want to encourage us that in this time of the pandemic, that one of the ways how we can can reflect the reality that is to come is to be creative and find safe ways to fight against isolation, to fight against distancing from each other. Oh, friends, it's not just words that we can use to destroy others. It's a mere intentional withdrawing from others. Be careful. All this reality that, that God gives us through what He will bring we as a church are called to be a, an anticipation of that reality, to, to give a taste of that reality. May we be faithful to do it well. Notice what will be one of the key causes to explain that kind of interaction in the future mind-blowing restoration. What will, what will be the cause of such unity that no one will be harming or destroying one another? Notice the cause in verse 9. And the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The cause for such a mind-blowing reality is that the land will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Not of good politics. Not of a lot of wealth. Not of good upbringing not of good education, what will contribute and what will cause such a, a harmonious, united, peaceful reality is the knowledge of the Lord. And the fullness of the knowledge of the Lord is pictured here 
in this, in this wonderful comparison as the waters cover the sea. Have you ever been out at sea? When you look at a sea, if you're out on the sea, I'm not talking if you're on the shore or on a, on a peninsula. If you're out on the sea, out on the sea, there's no spot where you cannot see water. It's everywhere. And there's not just a little bit of water. There's a lot of water. The depth of it is, is huge. And imagine everything on the earth, everything covered by the knowledge of the Lord. Not just a mile wide and an inch deep. As the waters cover the sea, deep sea. Oh, friends, everything will be covered by the knowledge of the Lord. This tells us that when we know the Lord fully, we will not act in harmful ways towards others. There is a correlation between knowing the Lord and acting harmfully towards others. The knowledge of the Lord goes hand in hand with turning away from harming each other. Friends, if we see harm and destructive behaviors in us towards others, or if we see harm and destructive behaviors around us, in our families, in our church, in our world, you can be sure of this. The knowledge of the Lord has not yet been fully consummated in that spot, in that heart that acts out of anger, in that heart that acts out of resentment and bitterness, in that heart that acts with a desire of intentional isolation and withdrawal, in a family, in a church that acts sinfully towards each other. Friends, this passage closes by bringing us to, to help us realize that the knowledge of the Lord, which this shoot will have, will cover the whole earth. And then this passage closes also to bring our attention back to the shoot of Jesse. In verse 10, the shoot from the stump of Jesse is described as the root of the stump and as a signal for the nations, so that the nations shall inquire of him. The shoot growing from the stump and the root supporting the stump of Jesse will have a universal impact. His fruitfulness will not be limited merely to the nation of Israel, merely to the remnant, but to all the nations of the earth. Friends, this is why we joyfully partner with strategic international ministry partners. Like our sister Ruth Fulmer, who left our church and is now serving in uh, Ras al Khaimah in one of the emirates in Dubai. Like our ministry partners, like Sebastian and Lois Vaduva and the other staff at Emmanuel University who are training young people and students to take the gospel to Romania and to the surrounding nations in Eastern Europe and beyond. That's why we partner with, with brothers and sisters in the Middle East, like the United Christian Church of Dubai, for pastoral internships. That's why we partner with Michael Gardner, who serves in the 1040 window in a country that it cannot be disclosed. That's why we partner with missionaries who are serving with the International Mission Board, who are spread around the ends of the earth. That's why we give resources to translating materials and printing resources to equip pastors and churches and leaders throughout the world. Friends, through our generous support of what we do with even our physical resources, our money, 
we actually contribute to the spread of the knowledge of the Lord in all the earth so that the nations will inquire of him. Do you get it? But notice that this picture closes with the nations inquiring not about the place, not about that reality that's coming. It's very easy for sometimes for us to inquire about, just inquire about heaven or inquire about that beautiful place. Let's just, how can we get to that beautiful place? But this passage makes it clear the nations will not inquire about that. They will inquire about him. Jesus is the one who is the center of our inquiry. Not just a better future, not just a restful retirement, not just a restful eternity that will be glorious. What will catch the attention of the nations is the root of Jesse, the shoot coming from his stump. And, and, and what he will bring about indeed will be a, a glorious place. His resting place will be glorious. The street language for that is it's going to be mind-blowing. It's going to be mind-blowing. Remember how this text started with a picture of a stump, of a tree in the status of a stump, felled tree, felled because of the judgment of God, even upon the Davidic dynasty. And it ends with a picture of a glorious, mind-blowing, restful, harmonious reality. And you wonder, how can you start with a stump and get to such mind-blowing, gloriously harmonious reality? It is all because of a God who promised to bring lasting restoration through a shoot growing out of the stump of Jesse. And we today get to participate in the spreading of the knowledge of the Lord through the whole earth, making Jesus known and trusting in him with our entire lives, knowing that ultimately the resting place of the shoot and root of Jesse is glorious. It's truly a mind-blowing reality. And to this we are invited to look forward to and participate in. But friends, make no mistake, our ultimate gaze should not be to that reality, but should be to the shoot and the root of Jesse. The baby born in Bethlehem may feel like a shoot that people can ignore when it buds. But look at what he was born to bring about. Look at who he is. Look at what he will do to bring God's justice against our sin and to bring a mind-blowing restoration. Look to him. Trust him. I wonder if you and I are among the nations who will inquire about him. Let's pray.